Okay, so let's get the mood going here. Imagine it. The coffee machine is bubbling and gurgling away in the corner. A fire is crackling in the hearth. Hey, in my defence, we have had some rain here. Sure, it's a bit sticky, but the aroma of the fire adds to the atmosphere, okay? Just go with it. The smell of musty paper and the subtle sweetness of vanilla is in the air, and you're gathered with some of your closest book friends to talk about your latest find. I'm Ray, and welcome to another episode of Not Before Coffee, The Bookshop, where I talk about my most recent reads and possibly encourage you to pick up a copy. I've somehow managed to do it again. Pick up a book by an author I've never heard of or read before. I think I'm doing quite well with part of my reading challenge for the year. With the actual reading of books thing, though, I'm not doing quite so well. I think I may have to reduce my Goodreads challenge number down to something a tad more realistic, as much as that pains me. Life changed this year, and no... I'm not talking about an addition to the family or a new job. I'm talking about the sheer amount of content I go through on a weekly basis with the podcast. But I love it, so that's a bonus. Anyway, this week I'm going to be talking about a book that came out way back in 2017. Yeah, I know that doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but in the world of books, it's pretty long. Yet for some reason, I didn't hear about it then. And nor did I notice it mentioned in tons of reading threads on Facebook. Towards the end of last year and the beginning of this one, that changed somewhat and I started hearing mentions of this book. But, and here I'm going to sound supremely shallow, I didn't even contemplate reading it until I saw the cover. I did zero research into the book beforehand, just saw the cover and was intrigued by the glamour that it portrays. The cover of this book just screams 1950s glamour. Jean Harlow, Marilyn Monroe, Elizabeth Taylor, a glimpse of an elegant blonde wearing a stunning emerald green dress. There are several different covers for this book actually, with the Spanish one being my overall favourite. That one just shows the rear view of a blonde with a gorgeous neckline and a gorgeous necklace draped down covering a tiny part of the deep V and a long A-line skirt. It's beautiful, but then, to be fair, they all are. So, what book am I talking about right now? You may be wondering if it hasn't been on your own reading list at some point in the last four years. This week I'm talking about my most recent read, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. As with the number of books that I have read over the decades since I picked up my very first one, the title isn't the be-all and end-all of the story. In fact, there are several plot points that could have easily been used, but to do that would have given away key twists and turns that I honestly believe the author wanted to keep as important moments in the book itself. It's really easy to assume that the book is going to focus on the men in this woman's life, how much she loved them, Perhaps she was a black widow. Perhaps she made them so miserable they took their own lives. Perhaps she was like Henry VIII and his six wives. 
though some historians believe he actually married more than just the six who were unable to give him a son. Shame he couldn't make his illegitimate children his heirs because Elizabeth Blount didn't have any problems giving him a son who married and had children of his own. Anyway, that's about my odd history recollections here. Let's get on into the book. Aging and reclusive Hollywood movie icon Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. But when she chooses unknown magazine reporter Monique Grant for the job, no one is more astounded than Monique herself. Why her? Why now? Monique is not exactly on top of the world. Her husband has left her and her professional life is going nowhere. Regardless of why Evelyn has selected her to write her biography, Monique is determined to use this opportunity to jumpstart her career. Summoned to Evelyn's luxurious apartment, Monique listens in fascination as the actress tells her story, from making her way to Los Angeles in the 1950s to her decision to leave show business in the 1980s, and of course, the seven husbands along the way. Evelyn unspools a tale of ruthless ambition, unexpected friendship, and a great forbidden love. Monique begins to feel a very real connection to the legendary star, but as Evelyn's story nears its conclusion, it becomes clear that her life intersects with Monique's own in tragic and irreversible ways. There is a lot to love about this book, but I also have a few gripes that I will be getting out of my system as I talk about the story as a whole. Remember though, this is my view of this book and I am never going to discourage someone from reading something because everyone's tastes are different. This is just my personal view. Let's get this thing started. I've already talked about why I picked up the book and what I think of the cover. So I am now gonna move on to talking about the key characters. The book contains a very small number of characters based in the present day. We have Monique Grant, an aspiring journalist whose career is seemingly on eternal hold as she can't quite break into the mainstream. Obviously, there is Evelyn Hugo, the aging, glamorous movie star who is telling her life story. We then have Monique's boss, Frankie Troop at Vivant, who is always after the next big thing. And while she can see big possibilities in Monique's future, she doesn't quite see them yet. There is also Evelyn's housekeeper and companion, Grace. We also do briefly meet Monique's husband, David, and are witness to a few conversations with her mother. I wanted to start out with my views on Evelyn, but I think that I should begin with Monique. As I've already mentioned, Monique is an aspiring journalist. At 35, she has been working at Vivant for a year and is, in her own words, the lowest on the totem pole. She has visions of her byline in the magazine, and while she is happy to have the job, she is also full of frustration at the fact that it's taking her so long to climb further up. She left her last, more meaningful job when the magazine recruited her. She has an incredibly high opinion of herself at times, and I can't help but think that she rides on the high of one piece she wrote that went viral, it got her the job and noticed at Vivant, and it also is part of the reason why she was given an audience with Evelyn Hugo in the first place. She says that one day she wants a book deal, however, she isn't yet writing a book. I actually cringed when I read her meeting with her boss. 
She wants to move up the journalistic ladder and to be noticed. So why not just say yes when this massive opportunity is given to her, rather than trying to play hardball? Evelyn wants me, I say. You want Evelyn. It doesn't sound like you need me to convince you, Frankie. It sounds like you need to convince me. I know that it's silly, but this is the one sentence that really formed my opinion of Monique, and it probably shouldn't, but everything else I read about her simply built on this view that she has a very elevated opinion of herself when it comes to her writing. I've been writing for 10 years. She thinks that she deserves more than she has earned. Maybe I am judging her a little harshly, but I can't help feeling she needs to take a step back and look at the people she is working with. How many of them have worked their way up from the bottom after years of experience? She is pretty much getting handed this massive career-making interview due to a twist of fate and a bit of guilt. And no, I'm not going to give it away. Though, being honest, I don't think this particular twist is incredible or worth waiting the duration of the entire book for. Monique is in the midst of a separation from her husband of less than 12 months. It turns out that while we are witnessing her disappointment at the failure of her short-lived marriage and hearing that he left her, he actually asked her to go with him, but she said no for the sake of her career. I don't mean this to sound disparaging because I would probably be the same, but this is the career that she feels is going nowhere and at some point she must have loved her husband, otherwise why marry him? So yes, her husband left her, because of his career, he was offered the chance to move up and had to take it. Here we hit a bit of a feminist crux. Had Monique dropped everything in her life and gone with him, she would have potentially been sacrificing her own career for her husband's. However, does that still apply when she has already admitted that she had been feeling as though her career was going nowhere? Also, given how keen Evelyn Hugo was to work with her, she would have got that particular writing gig wherever she was working, right? Okay, so that's Monique. Let's get into the star of the show, Evelyn Hugo. Yes, she's a manipulator, and not just your average one at that. She has mastered the art over her years working in Hollywood, but she's also enchanting. Reading her life story as she is telling Monique, I got to know the woman who was used, abused, tossed away and rose from the ashes of a destroyed career like a phoenix. Evelyn's story of how she came to build a very successful and incredibly lucrative career in Hollywood is entwined with disturbing images of the casting couch, abusive husbands, alcohol and drug abuse and the need to hide who you really are from everyone. Evelyn knew what she had to do in order to get the sort of career that she wanted and this included changing everything about herself from her name to her racial profile and her sexuality. As the reader, I loved the way that when Evelyn is telling the story of her life, she doesn't gloss over the unpleasant parts. She is matter of fact as though she has rehearsed much of what she is saying so that she can detach from the moments that hurt the most. But at the same time, she is acknowledging that these events in her life contributed to the whole, to who she became. They are a part of everything, however awful they happen to be. Evelyn is something of a mythological creature in the present day. She rarely gives interviews. In fact, so little is known about her life, apart from the fact that she married several times, had a daughter who passed away from cancer at a relatively young age, that there is speculation aplenty. 
of all the things that Evelyn has experienced, has seen, has kept secret. The first question that Monique asks is, who was the love of your life? Really? But we do get to find out about the true love of Evelyn's life, though it takes a while. First, we hear about the husband who helped her escape from a life in Hell's Kitchen with her uncaring and abusive father. Eddie Diaz is the man who takes her to LA. Then we meet Don Adler, the child of Hollywood royalty who seems like the perfect gentleman on screen, but behind closed doors is abusive, manipulative, and a violent drunk with incredibly old-fashioned views when it comes to a woman's place. It is while she is married to Don that she meets the love of her life, though it takes a while to realise that this person is hers, the one she will love until the day they both die. I feel that right now, at this point, is the best place to put in this disclaimer. I am not someone who is part of the LGBTQ community and would never claim to understand the pain and suffering that they have gone through. So at the point where Evelyn admits that the love of her life is a woman she met during the 1950s, another actress she continues to love even though this woman is no longer alive, I feel I should acknowledge that I do not understand the US political climate in the 60s, 70s or 80s when it came to how members of the LGBTQ community were treated. At several points throughout Evelyn's story, she makes mention of the fact that she could have been arrested, that her daughter could have been taken into care, that she would have been considered an unfit parent, that it could have ruined her career. I know that there was something of a revolution in the 80s and 90s, but did not realise that arrests were still being made for sexual choices as recently as the 60s and 70s. Having done a bit of research, it appears that in the UK things were a little less on the strict side when it came to what happens behind closed doors, following the passing of the Sexual Offences Act of 1967. But again, this is not my world, and I don't feel that I can comment on how those who have experienced bias, fear and hatred because of the way they live their lives and who they love interpret anything. So I am going to say that this book highlights that life isn't easy just because you have money and fame. In fact, Evelyn's biography highlights that her life was made more complicated because she was famous and constantly in the public eye. Evelyn is a flawed character and she is the first to acknowledge this. Throughout her life she makes a lot of mistakes starting with the moments on the desk of the CEO where she sells her soul and her body to get a role in a movie. She hurts a lot of people, her daughter, at least one of her husbands if not more, and most certainly the woman she loves. She also knows that even though she admits she's in the wrong and apologises for these transgressions, it isn't going to wipe them away. What Evelyn offers to Monique Grant is an unvarnished, unglossy, brutal window into her life. All the gritty truths that she's hid for decades, including how she made her way to the top, the lies she told, the sometimes questionable things she did, everything. Finally, at the end of the book, we do discover why Monique, rather than any other writer, was brought along for this ride. But reading through the book, I honestly feel that Monique's brief moments of presence are totally unnecessary, and I would have far preferred it had the whole, I want you to write my biography, and their brief discussions weren't in the book at all. Evelyn's story on its own is fascinating. 
Okay, so it's fictional, but there are moments based in fact, some moments, especially in the 1980s, that I actually remember seeing in newspapers and hearing on the news. I could give so much away, but as ever, I think that you should read it if the genre is one you're interested in, or perhaps if you love old Hollywood glamour and want to imagine some of the events that are described. Set across several decades, including those that we often see in photos of Grace Kelly, Elizabeth Taylor and Debbie Reynolds when they were younger, the slinky dresses, the incredible jewellery, all the glitz is something to behold, and those are things that this book definitely brings to mind. So, here comes the question and answer part. It's a general thing. I try and include it every week. Did I enjoy it? I did and I didn't. I loved, as I have already said, Evelyn's story. She lived a colourful, exciting life that was tarnished somewhat with tragedies both self-made and out of her control. This story made fame and money sound great, good and awful at the same time. Evelyn was able to live the life that she thought she wanted, while also struggling to live the life she really wanted and be true to herself. The bits that I didn't enjoy all come down to the unnecessary inclusion of Monique. Would the story have been the same without her? No, I actually think it would have been better. Will I read it again? No, but I might well pick up something else by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I know that she has some newer books out, including Daisy and the Six and the most recent release, Malibu Rising. I just need to find the one and it won't be for a while. Would I recommend it to other readers? If you love biographies, old Hollywood, LGBTQ stories with a somewhat historical backdrop. Yes, this book is pretty much written for you. I wasn't sure what to expect because, again, I went on the cover, not the story, when I picked it. That all being said, I don't think that reading the back of the book actually gives you that much of an idea of the story itself. Well, actually, I don't think it gives you any idea of the story that you're going to get. So there it is, 2017's The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. If you're expecting anything like The Six Wives of Henry VIII, then you're in the wrong aisle of the bookshop. The last cup has gone in the dishwasher, the closed sign has been turned around, so it's time to end this episode of The Bookshop. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll come back again for more. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please post a review or just a rating over on Podchaser. I really love hearing from you. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs or over on Instagram at not before coffee podcast. Well, I have to go and pick out another book from the shelf for next week and settle down with my fourth cup of coffee. Until next time, this is me saying farewell. Farewell.